bit of a bit of a big week for for church globally this this past week. Uh, I'm sure many of you would have seen or heard about uh, this somewhat of a revival that's currently taking place in the states. Um, is it Ashbury Asbury Church? Yeah. So um, really is very encouraging to see amongst the the youth in America. Uh, we need some some spiritual uh, growth in the youth in in the world. Amen. And so I think we can definitely add our weight to that uh, uh, revival bar, praying, adding our prayers and trusting that more and more people come to experience that supernatural moment where they realize that God is God and that they aren't. <laughs> Amen. A lot of false gods out there, right? So uh, that's going to be my, my prayer for this week. But uh, a little bit of background and sort of just a kind of an intro context to uh, today's message before we get into the Word together. Um, firstly, if you've been part of Father's House for a while, you'll know that we build Testimony Sundays into the rhythm of church. We think that God is calling us to build together as a family, a family church. And one of the best ways of doing that is by building bridges of connection between us, right? And where you look at someone that you may have seen week in and week out and go, oh my word, I didn't know that about that person. Because they had this courage, this willingness to share about what God has done in their lives. And we get to see God in a fresh way through people. And we believe in the power of sharing one's testimony as a church. Amen. And then secondly, on a suggestion from Pastor George and the management team, we decided to respond to the recent uh, That's Rich series that we watched, which, by the way, had the highest viewership and most community engagement out of any series we've done over the last two to three years. So it was a massive moment, I think, for us collectively as Father's House. And so, you know, he said, why don't we take a moment and respond to that by hearing some personal accounts uh, from people in Father's House, JB, of how that teaching, how that theology impacted them personally. So some personal stories. How did we, how did we apply that knowledge of what I was sharing about earlier? How did we, how, how did we apply that knowledge and, and, and transfer it into, into application? And so you're going to be hearing from myself, from Mark and from Sherwin this morning, uh, just on, on some accounts on how God showed himself strong and faithful as we just sung, um, faithful to his word to, to meet anyone that would call on his name. So that's, that's what we're going to be doing this morning. We're going to be hearing from, from some of your friends, uh, some of your spiritual family in terms of what this series meant to them. And whether you're a first time visitor or have been around church for a while, our hope is that your, your enthusiasm would be rekindled again. Your enthusiasm for trusting God in some area of your life. Not only in the area of finances necessarily, but in any area. And so we hope to inspire you this morning by sharing these stories uh, to, to, to take an action. Take an action of belief in, in, in some way. And, that, and that's really what testimonies do, don't they? They inspire, they connect people, they inspire us, and they fuel our faith to trust God for the next season. That's part of what they do. And it's really important to bear in mind, and as you know, I always take a moment at the beginning of these Sundays just to kind of outline the purpose of what testimonies are. But it's really important to bear in mind that whenever we share moments like this, that a testimony is never greater than the Scripture upon which it is based. Right, that's very, very important. A testimony rather confirms the truth, the ultimate truth in Scripture. And that's, that's, that's really, really important platform, you know, uh, foundation, starting point. In fact, First John um, chapter 5, verses 9 to 13 says this. It says, if we accept human testimony, God's testimony is greater because it is God's testimony that He has given about His Son. There's some encouragement in, in, in people's testimony in hearing of the, of the good things that God has done. But ultimately, God's testimony is greater because it's about His Son, right? <laughs> and who is His Son? The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within Himself. 
The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. No greater testimony than the truth that we have eternal life in Jesus. Amen. So that's really important. Notice how always the focus is always on God. Whenever we share testimony, the focus is always on God. And it points people to God, not points people to problems. Make sense? Testimonies point people towards God. It, it, it doesn't give you permission to identify with a past failure. It gives you hope to believe in a future victory. Big, big difference there. We're not creating sympathy. We're inspiring hope by sharing what God has done in our lives. And so with that being said, I want to begin sharing a little bit of my testimony by, in this area by asking us a question this morning. Um, how good are you at saying no? Getting some nerves already this morning. You're like, saying no to what? It depends. Saying no to cheesecake or buying a new car. I mean, you know, for some people, maybe those are very similar. Uh, um, but to be more specific, how good are you at saying no to things that you know aren't healthy for you, spiritually or physically speaking, and what makes it easier or harder for you to say no in the face of that temptation? I mean, to help us answer that question and unpack it a bit, I suppose, you know, the circumstances that you're surrounded by in that moment, the people that you're surrounded by, maybe the mood that you're in at the time, you know, when this choice is, is, is faced and when this choice is in front of you. But whatever it is, we know that at certain times, in certain situations, it is important to say no, right? <laughs> because the consequences of not saying no can be quite severe, uh, depending on the level, obviously, of the choice that you have to make. And so to help us this morning, may I, may I suggest that perhaps the best way to say no to something is not to necessarily look for reasons to justify and support the no or wait for the perfect conditions to say no, but instead to develop a greater yes. Maybe that's the key. Maybe, maybe the key to saying a confident no is not to wait for the perfect ideal conditions. You know, worship was amazing. Such a great verse that my friend shared with me. I'm in the right environment. Oh, it's so much easier to say no. Maybe instead it's the ability to, to develop a greater yes in the first place. Maybe that's, maybe that's the key. Because I'm convinced that a lot of the difficulties that we face in our lives as people because of the bad choices that we make sometimes in the area of finances specifically would be lessened if we just developed a greater yes. If we had stronger convictions about this yes. And I'm going to share a story with you in a moment to explain what I mean. But just for some scriptural backing, I mean, we know Jesus said no a lot of the time, right? We know that. Probably the most famous example is when he was tempted by the devil. 40 days fasting in the wilderness, devil comes to him and says, and the scripture actually literally says he was hungry. Jesus was hungry. I mean, <laughs> if there was ever a great model for a diet plan or a fast, like there it is, you know. Jesus, 40 days, nothing. And the scripture literally says he was hungry. And what does the devil go? He says, yeah, tell these stones to become bread. Which is actually interesting if you think about it, because, you know, after 40 days of not eating, your stomach definitely shrinks. So what happens if you eat bread? They actually suggest that you don't break a fast with bread because of what it could do. The devil was trying to kill him. Fascinating, huh? And Jesus says, no. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of the living God. Matthew 4, 4. But, but this, is the, this is the power of this example of, of Jesus' no. That every single time the devil tempted him, three times, he said yes because of the truth in Scripture. He had a great yes that he was committed to. And you know, people often ask him to stay in their towns. Won't you, oh, Jesus, please won't you stay here? 
You've done such amazing miracles. Why, why, why don't you just stay here? I can't. I've already said yes to the cross. I've got a greater mission. I can't. I can't stay here. And may I suggest to us this morning that, you know, Jesus is not trying to say no because he was trying to be difficult or unhelpful or, you know, trying to fake something. It was saying no because he had already said yes to the greater, to the greater call, to the greater mission. And I wondered, and I kind of wondered about that in the context of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks and realized that, you know, maybe this, this deep conviction of, of why we are saying yes is the key to unlock some of God's blessings that he has in store for us. Let me tell you a story to kind of quickly illustrate this, this, this point. Um, some of you may know that I come from a financial planning background, um, did everything from the para planning stuff after studying uh, BCom financial planning at NMU. Everything from the para planning stuff to the number crunching stuff to being a salesman. I didn't enjoy the salesman part. That was a that was a, a tough tough time for me in my life, but I survived to tell the tale. Um, but spent six years working in the financial planning industry. A lot of number crunching, a lot of details. So when it came to giving, for me, I was I was very much the spreadsheet kind of guy, right? I was budget focused, you know, determined when it came to my tithes. So I was, I was in the camp of, of you know, I'm going to stick to this thing. I'm going to be a giver. And, and I was a giver for a while. I was one of those guys, right? Uh, and then I, I, I stumbled across this, this really helpful tool from Elevation Church. You guys know Elevation Church, Stephen Furtick, big church in the States, called the Monthly Budget Planner. So in my research, I stumbled across, there you go. That's, that, that's what it looks like. So for a numbers guy, this was, I mean, this was great. You know, you got to put all your details on the, on the top there. It had this um, little formula, uh, which is obviously in dollars. So I just, you know, imagine that it was rands. Don't convert it to rands um, because Excel won't have enough space for the, for the rand figure. Um, but uh, you go and put all your details in there and then you see where it says recommended percentages there towards the bottom. It's really, really helpful. When you put your figures in, depending on what it is, it's, it goes green, orange or red to say, yes, you're in the green zone, the good zone, or you're kind of on the line or red, you're overspending in a certain area. So for me, this was awesome. And fundamentally, why I liked it is that it was based on the biblical order of finances. You see that, give, save, and then spend. That was really important to me. So I really liked this tool and started using it. And I had one for myself. And then when my wife and I got married, I did one for two of us. Um, Side note on marriage and finances, quickly, just put it in a little pocket there. Uh, If they are no longer two but one flesh, according to scripture, then if that's the unity that marriage reaches on that level, then I feel that everything else should also be unified. Just my personal view, personal conviction on that. There's some practical ways, obviously, of handling that, but for me, that's kind of how we we structured it. Anyway, uh, using the budget planner, loving it, and then the time came in my life to buy a new car. Um, I was driving one of the infamous City Golfs. Who ever drove a City Golf at some point in their life? I don't actually know what the point of the handles and the window things were. I mean, they just, they broke after like two, two days. They were just like decorations. <laughs> Got the guys from VW going, shh. It was a fantastic car. It was, it was, no, literally, it was a fantastic car. Apart from the little cosmetic things, it got us to Joburg. It got us to Cape Town. It was phenomenal. But after like 10 years and I don't know, 375 million thousand Ks, the time came to buy a new one, right? So, uh, I went, uh, I went to my budget planner and, you know, put the, put the figures in there. It had a clear amount that I could spend on a monthly basis. So I went looking for a car and found this awesome Aston Martin DB9. Um, what's a carcass D? No, it was not an Aston Martin DB9. Little, little Chev, little uh, Chev um, utility bucky. 
Um, and I said, cool, awesome. I've checked the figures. Things look good. Let's go for it. Well, fast forward a couple of months and our ex-president, Mr. Zuma, decided to fire the finance minister twice. Space of a couple of weeks. You guys remember that? So obviously the interest rates and everything went to the roof and it meant that everyone's debt repayments got higher every month because of the situation that we find ourselves in. And kind of at the time, I almost brushed it aside. I was like, you know what, whatever, it's fine. But getting to the end of every month, I realized things are tense here. Things are tight. There's not much left in the balance sheet. And lo and behold, I went back to the planner, put the new figure in and there it came out. Boom, red. You're overspending in this area, Lloyd. Like it highlights it. It's, you feel like this, Satan's attacking you, you know? It's like in your face. So now I was faced with a choice. I was faced with this choice. Do I continue and have no breathing room left at the end of the month? Or do I take a step of faith and back my convictions that because I had said yes to the tithe and the saving to sell the car and trust God with the outcome? It's awkward. You don't like those choices. It's very tense. And you, you want to, you know, push it aside. And you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, I hear you, but that, that's for someone else. Like, you know, you don't want to do that because it's just, you trusted God for this thing. And you're like, Lord, I worked for this car. You were faithful. You provided. And now look, now I, I'm feeling like I need to get rid of this thing. Um, and so, you know, despite the putting it off, I decided eventually to make the bold choice and sell the car. It was difficult, but remember, I had this sense that God was saying, I want you to honor your convictions. Uh, and it just happened at the time that, you know, someone in my family was looking for a car, so they bought it from, bought it from me. Um, and the church also uh, had a little Ford Figo that we had used for a previous uh, employer that was kind of standing there. So I said, you know, after getting a lift to, to church for a couple of weeks, couple of months, I said, is it okay if I drive the Figo? Just look after it. They said, cool, maintain it. You can drive it. Well, after about six to eight months, almost a year, um, of God having provided for me in this way, um, the, this person in my family um, came to me and said they, they had retired recently and, you know, they bought a brand new car for the first time ever. So this old one that they were kind of using was still okay. They had a new one and then the one that their wife was driving. So they said, you know, why don't you, why don't you just take the bucky back? Um, it, was, it was at the same time when the church needed to actually sell the figures. So I was without a car. Um, and they just said, why don't you use the bucky? Why don't you just take care of the maintenance, petrol and tires, and until we need it, you can, you can drive it. So the very thing that I was willing to do without, because I had said yes to God, was the very thing that he brought back into my life in a later season. But this time without the maintenance, without the cost, without the, just, the, just, just the petrol and tires. Friends, I don't know how God does what he does, but I don't need to know. I know that he does. I just know that he's faithful to his word. And then he knows better. And all he asks from us is to trust him, obey him, and believe that he knows what's best for you. Matthew 6.33, I'm sure many of us can, sorry, 6.31, I'm sure many of us can quote the scripture. Don't worry. <laughs> so don't worry. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all, seek all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. My encouragement to us this morning is just trust him. Could be in the area of finances, could be in any area, relationship, career, where you feel that form of tension, discomfort that doesn't seem to go away, just trust him. And realize that as you develop a greater conviction for your yes, the no will become easier. And just watch what God does with a little bit of obedience to his word over your life. Amen. So I hope that encourages you this morning. Um,
in this way. I'd like to call up Mark, who will be sharing with us this morning. Can we give Mark a round of applause as he, as he shares? Church, thank you so much. Cheers, Lloyd. How powerful was that, eh? We hope it encourages you. Um, when we stand up and we share our testimonies, we don't do it to say, look how good we are or how perfect we are in the family or how good God is. Well, yes, he is good to us, but we're not the special ones. Um, we just share it as a way of encouragement and that what he's done for us as we trust and turn to him, it's available to each and every one of us. Amen. So I'll just go straight into the story. I'm not going to uh, hold you long. Uh, it's just back to the start of the year, pre the um, that rich, that's rich, serious. Um, we prayed as a family, first to second of January, just over finance, um, that there would be seed to sow, bread for our family, and more to share. And um, yeah, I'm reminded of Second Corinthians nine. Have we got it, Janine? There we go. For God is the one who provides seed for the, uh, for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I think that's powerful. He doesn't talk about amounts or set it to this is specific and then if you come and do, it's not... You're not comparing, your, it's his generosity comes and just gives and shares and out of his abundance and out of his love, he just comes and provides for us. So we prayed for work and uh, for, for extra capacity to sow and that there would be bread and more. And then we forgot, we prayed basically in line with that scripture, but wasn't even aware totally that it was that scripture we were praying as a family. And then two days later, out of the blue, I got a WhatsApp saying, please, please send me your CV. And I'm like, ooh. And I even said to Marietta, my wife, look at this. And she goes, that's random. We'd even forgot that we'd prayed the prayer a few days earlier, which tells you how much faith we actually had physically and how mentally we were aware of what we prayed. But um, I've never had a CV, not for the last 20-odd years. <laughs> I said, okay, what now? I suppose I'll have to um, get something, uh, put something down on paper. And um, I thought, okay, give me a day or so. I didn't reply. And the next morning I get a phone call from the lady that sent the WhatsApp. And she said to me, hi, sorry I was a bit forward. I have this type of job. I don't, she said, just tell me where you're at. And I said, look, I've never had a CV. She goes, no, people like us don't have CVs. I'm like, oh, okay, where's this going, Lord? And I'm immediately highlighted and reminded of the prayer. And she said, um, no, we don't. Can you come for a coffee? I'm going, Lord, that's how I forgot all my jobs over the last 20-odd years. Come for a coffee, come for a meeting, let's chat, let's see where you guys are. And it normally turns into something. Um, so it did. It, this is a bit later, but in the middle of that meeting and that phone call, um, I actually received, so we, some of you know, we've shared that we have our permanent, I have my permanent residency for South Africa now. And that was a major miracle. That was like six and a half years. And then we'd waited 11 years for my South African ID. And between the phone call and the meeting, I received my South African ID. 
No, you can't make this up. I don't, I don't care who you are here. You cannot make this stuff up. And we're like, Lord, what's going on? So I went for the meeting and she offered me the job. She had 10 hours part-time. And she, through the meeting, I think I shared with Lloyd, she was saying, oh, there's 10 hours and it's X. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. I wanted to go to Bible college this year, do third year. And when I get to the gate to leave... That 10 hours, what I thought she was paying me for a month. She said, no, 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 that's for a week per week. Is that okay? Of course it's okay. <laughs> it's, um, you really cannot believe that God. But then after that, so I've got the job and I've been working there now a month. Um, yeah, just over a month. And it's, it's turned out much more than I, it's not a position I would have taken. It's like... If you'd have asked me 10 years ago, no way, I'm not doing that. But I'm actually thoroughly enjoying it. It's so new and so refreshing that it's a diff different area. It's in a solar company here in town. Um, the company, the lady that runs it, um, they're Christian. And their whole mission with business is Christian and to fund mission across South Africa. So it, it's powerful. But I was reminded of Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and of not of evil, to give you a hope, give you a future and a hope. And that's for every one of us. He's no respecter of person. And if he's done it for us as a family, he'll do it for you. He's faithful. He's just waiting to be invited into each and every area. And I just pray that we've blessed you this morning with our testimony, that the generosity that he produces in us isn't a figure or an amount, but it's just a heart issue, or not even an issue, but just out of the heart, out of the abundance, we have this generosity from God. I just thank, hope it blesses you. I'd like to pass on to Sherwin. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> um, I just want to say this morning, I'm thankful to Lloyd for putting me on the spot. <laughs> I told Lloyd that I am very excited to serve, and I'm ready to serve. And he's like, next week, you're going to come. And are you keen to share? I was like, okay, why not? Why not? And um, in line with the series, the That's Rich series, I thought I would speak about something personal that happened in my life. Um, I love to speak about the Lord and what he has done in my life. You know, it's just to show people that I'm also human, just like you. It's nothing special about me, but I'm not going to run. Um, whenever I, I, I specifically want to speak about tithing today. And whenever I speak about tithing, there's one scripture that, one of my favorite scriptures that always come to mind that is in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8. Uh, it, is, it says, uh, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously, also reap generously. Um, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, um, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Um, and it takes me back to what Pastor George said, where he said that, you know, when you give, it shouldn't it should be a joy to give. You know, it should be, this is what I want to do. Now, 
my wife and I, my wife now, <laughs> my wife and I last year, oh, I think it was the year before that, we decided to start our own little small business just to create some extra cash, you know, um, and we sold or we selling cleaning detergents, household cleaning detergents. Um, and it was around about that time we were in a season where God reminded me that, you know, um, wherever you find yourself, whatever you do, remember that I've placed you there for a purpose, you know, and the job that you have, the car that you have, the house that you have, I'm not giving it for you. You know, I'm giving it so that you can use it for my kingdom. And I told her when we started the business, I said, you know what, nah, this business I want to start, and the Lord has also laid something, I want to use this to minister to people. So I said, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to put like little small scriptures. So if you buy a bottle of dishwashing liquid or whatever, you know, there's like a Jesus loves you and a little scripture there. You know, that was, that was what the Lord laid on my heart. And I told her, look, you do this, pray about it, and then we'll just give out the scriptures to people. Uh, to my surprise, the one lady, she asked me, did you give everyone this scripture? I can't remember what it was. I said the word, no, I didn't. She said, uh, this is one of my favorites. She took out the verse, she's like, I can show you. This is one of the scriptures that I base my life upon. You know, and when we were doing this, I said to her, you know, I'm praying that whatever scripture anyone receives, that it will land in a season of someone's life. You know, and um, while we were doing this, also the Lord compelled us again. I, I said to her, you know what, nah? the Lord is telling me that with our first month of profit and everything, nah, we just give it back again. You know, and I said to her, I don't know how you feel about this, but this is what I want to do. Um, and ironically enough, it was the month I made the most money from the business. <laughs> Up until now, it was, it was the month I had the most customers, you know. I was like, Lord. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I gave everything, literally all of the profit I gave back to the church, and I was like, Lord, not because I want you to bless me with more customers, I want you to bless me with more money, but this is just my way or our way of honoring you and thanking you for what you are doing and for what you're providing me, uh, for us in that matter. You know, now, I personally, I've always been a giver, you know, and I've always been faithful in my tithing till I wasn't. You know, I started to give and then I started not to give anymore, you know. Every month there used to be, okay, now I'm not getting paid enough this month or no, the bills are too high, you know. And I started becoming unfaithful even though I made the promise with the Lord. I started becoming unfaithful in that little area of my life, you know. And God is just good, man. Because when we needed um, a breakthrough, God still provided. You know, when, 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 even, I wrote here, actually, I said that, you know, even, even, um, in my unfaithfulness, you know, God has been faithful to me through his love. He's been faithful to me through his mercy and through his provision. You know, and, 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 and I could never, I could never understand that. Um, and I'm always encouraged by another scripture in Malachi 3 verse 10 that says, bring your old tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. No? And then he also says, this is, he says, test me in this um, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, blessings that there will not be enough room to store it. You know, and um, the reason why um, I'm sharing this scripture is like I said, you know, in my unfaithfulness, I still tested the Lord, you know, and in his faithfulness towards me, he still provided, you know, and I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't understand, like, God, 
I haven't been bringing my side to the table, yet you are still providing. Um, I just want to share the last one. Uh, as you know, we got married, me and my wife, we got married last month. It's my wife there, she's sitting. <laughs> um, and um, the year leading up for the preparation, everything hasn't been easy. You know, financially, it's, it took a toll on us. You know, but luckily, by the grace of God, once again, he provided. Everything went as it should. Um, I have a friend of mine that, that, that always says, um, as, as believers, we shouldn't live on old blessings. You know, we should have new blessings each and every single day so that we can tell people we shouldn't live on old testimonies, you know. I should be able to tell you what God did in my life yesterday. I should be able to tell what God did in my life this morning. Not that I'm taking away from the old things. Um, but something that happened with us um, now recently. So we were supposed to go on honeymoon. As married people do, yeah. Um, uh, but when we sat down, uh, I just want to share quickly. Unfortunately, we couldn't go. I was on leave and we couldn't go um, because my friend and his wife, they're sitting there, a mom passed away on the day of our wedding. So we wanted to support them. So we just like put our, our plans aside for the week. And then the next Saturday, it was a mom's funeral. And when we sat with our finances, we noticed, hey, there's some irregularities here, you know. It's in that red zone now. Something's not working out. Um, and when we actually worked out everything, because we had some final things to do and all of that, we realized that, hey, but it's not going to be enough funds to even go on honeymoon. Obviously, my wife and I, none of us were happy about that. Um, but what was so profound was when we were sitting and doing everything, um, the last money I had left in my account was I needed to pay my municipality account. You know, and I remember she asked me, like, where are we going to get money to buy food for the month? You know, like, where's the money going to come from? Now, I used to live alone for like eight years of my life. So, you know, I just eat whatever there is to eat. But now I have a wife and a son that's living with me. So obviously I need to provide for them. Now, I didn't answer in that moment because I wasn't sure. Um, but me being a man of faith, I knew that the Lord is going to provide. Um, so the next day. Um, if I can just give you a little bit of context, I'm working at the hospital, I'm a professional nurse there, no? and I used to get paid on the last day of every month. So they changed my payday to the 15th of every month, so I had to like change my debit orders. To some, if you're working class like me, that's what you ate. You know, the debit orders that goes off every month, it takes out all of your salaries, it was first come, first serve type of deal. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we, we all don't like that. Um, and I had to change my debit orders. And um, I had put it off since like December already. And then I remember it was the 16th of January, so I already got paid the 15th. So I had to put like money aside till the end of the month. And I said to her, you know what, I'm just going to phone these people now, get it over and done with, you know, so that I know for the next month the debit orders go off when they should because it's like, it's not nice looking at my bank account, there's money laying there, now I can't use this money, you know, I must just leave it there till the end of the month. But what was so profound was, um, and she was sitting in the kitchen that time, and I phoned the people, and I phoned the first company, and I said to them, I think it was my car insurance, I told them, look here, I just need to change this particular date of my debit order. She said, okay, it's fine, we can do that. Um, and then she said to me, uh, Mr. Boyson, I also want to tell you that your premium for, the, for January has already been paid. I'm like, okay, okay, so I saved like a thousand rand there, you know, for the next company. Mr. Boyson, we changed your debit date and your premium for the month has been paid already. Hey, I was like, 
She was sitting, she's like, another one, another one. I'm like, yeah, another one. Phone the third company, exact same story. You know, after phoning everyone, I had a few thousands left to spend in my account for whatever what was needed during the month, you know. I still owe my wife her honeymoon. <laughs> but I think I subdued her for a little bit um, because, because that money that was there, she went hayward in the house, you know. She started, I've never seen such things in my house before. So, um, the moral of the story is, you know, um, in Matthew 6, verse 8, um, the, uh, the Bible says that, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Um, and, and, and for me, that was such a profound thing because I didn't need to ask Him knew what I needed, you know, and He provided even though I didn't ask, you know. Um, and and I, always, I always say that um, we can only see as far as our noses, you know, but the Lord knows best. And um, for me, coming even back to the tithing, I was faithful and then unfaithful, but yet the Lord was still faithful. And I keep on saying the Lord was still faithful to me in that aspect, you know. And with the series that was going on, I was just encouraged. And I told the Lord, you know, I'm, I'm so encouraged and challenged at the same time that I know what I need to do. You know, as, 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 as humans, we tend to try to make our own plans. But once you involve God in that plan, you know, there's, there's a total change that comes about, you know, then you realize that I'm not just living for me. I'm not just living for my wife. I'm not just living, but above all, I'm living for Christ. And how can I um, live my life according to him? You know, so in, in everything that I said now, um, I just want to encourage you by saying this, you know, I, I don't know what you're going through, uh, whether it be financially, spiritually, in your relationship, wherever, you know, um, God is still faithful, even if you are unfaithful, you know, but you need to get back to that place of being faithful. You know, um, the, someone, a pastor once said, you know, the Lord has blessings in his hand and he's telling you, you know, here it is, just come get it from me. You know, and it's, it's up to us to take that step and put in the work, you know, not just expect, Pastor Joseph said, you know, um, you can't just have faith in one area and then expect the Lord to come through in the other area. You know, I was... I know I was one of the lucky few, but um, I was, um, I'm glad that the Lord did something like that in my life, you know, and like I said, I don't know what you're going through, but give to the Lord what is due to the Lord. And I'm not even speaking about money specifically, you know, but whether it be your time, whether it be your marriage, you know, the Lord is waiting for you to give it to him so that he can bless it in a far more better way. And that is all I wanted to share with you guys today. Thank you very much.